Hello everybody and welcome to Tariq Time, where we talk about the history of Tigray. Now available on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and YouTube. On this episode, we will be talking about Hatze Johannes and Ras Alula. The early life of Johannes, not a lot is uh, known specifically. He, he, we do know um, uh, that he was raised in Tembien. He was born in Tembien. We do know that he dis- he was uh, from Tembien, and his father and grandfather were the Shum Tembien, so the rulers of Shem- uh, Tembien. Um, and his mother was from, uh, I think she was part Enderta, part Agame. And he also had some connections to uh, uh, other parts of Tigray and Ethiopia. Hi. Hi, thank you. No, it's, 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 I was going to do it all on my own, but I have a co-host. That's wonderful. Yeah, I'm here. Mm-hmm. So what are we talking about today? We are talking about Emperor Johannes and uh, Rasalula. So okay. that's going to be fun. Two very important people in the history of Tigray. Okay. okay. So as I was saying, so um, Emperor Johannes was part uh, Tembien, part Agame, part Ndarta. So that gave him the um, ability to, um, how should I say it, relate to all the different noble houses of Tigray, if that makes sense. So that's how he was able to unite Tigray. So what we see is he sort of, um, at the time that um, Emperor Theodorus was ruling, do you know, do you know who Emperor Theodorus is? Uh, yeah, a little bit, but go into the details. So Emperor Theodorus was Danny, by the way, I'm not the ready to be quizzed at all. No, yeah, no, I'm operating under the assumption that you don't know. You're you're like I a do. proxy for the audience. That's that's okay. what you are. So you don't have to know anything. Don't worry. Okay. I'm just here um, to be the, the the student on camera. Is she? There you go. You're doing you're doing a good job. Um. So Emperor Te- Theodorus, while um. Johannes was younger, but while he was rising to power, Theodorus was the person in charge, right? So we see that's around the time where he starts, uh, Johannes starts to gain power in Tigray. And he starts rebelling against different people, um, consolidating power, right? Um, so I'm just looking at my notes here on occasion. Um, and one of the reasons that people give that he um, rebelled, and we don't know this for sure, but there's this is what people say, is that he was the youngest of all of his uh, siblings. And each of his siblings, and him as well, were given titles. Like, uh, let's see, what were they given? His brother, Buxa, was given uh, the title of Dejazmach, which is a pretty high title, right? Mm-hmm. The brother in between was given Fatawarari, I don't know how to pronounce that word properly. I wish uncle was here to uh, correct me. And then he was given the lowest title of Balambras. And so people speculate that he was um, unhappy with giving such a uh, with being given such a low uh, title. And so that's why he rebelled. But he was the younger sibling. He was the youngest. So that's why he was given that, uh, that uh, title. Okay. Makes sense. Um, yeah. So in his real name, do you know his real name? What Johannes's real name was? No, what is it? Uh, Kasa, I believe. Kasai, I don't remember. 
I only I've only seen it written. I haven't heard anyone say it. Lij Kasa, Kasa Mircha, right? Because when you become emperor, they take、um, a regnal name,、uh, uh, if that makes sense. Okay. Okay. So Teodoros was also a very very、um, brutal emperor.、Mm-hmm. Many many people were unhappy with his rule in Ethiopia. So. He gained control over most of what is now Tigray, parts of what is now Eritrea, and even parts of what is now Amhara. So there was a whole bunch of stuff we're not going to get into going on with Theodoros at the time, where he had jailed a bunch of,、uh, I think almost every single foreigner from Europe. He had jailed them and put them on,、uh, uh, I don't know what you would call a mountaintop prison. They really like mountaintop prisons in Ethiopia. The English sent an expedition led by Robert Napier to essentially go deal with uh, uh, Teodros, and it was such. It was, I think, about eighteen thousand men, you know, weapons and such. And、um, at this point in time, when Johannes be- become the ruler of Tigray, they had to ask for his permission to come into Ethiopia. So. Basically, he said, "I'll give you permission as long as you leave right when you're done." And you know, obviously, from his point of view, it's getting rid of a rival, right? And allowing him to consolidate.、Uh, oh, the man himself is here. Let me. I, I'm going to interrupt myself and, and try and invite uh, the fabled uh, uncle. Let me. There you go.、Um, so that allows him to consolidate power. As I was saying, I'm so sorry.、Uh, and let me just.、Um, and、uh, possibly do. Whoa! Look who it is. Oh, we got all three. Wow! 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 Dahando. Maskeno, maskeno. Yare ta. Sorry. It's all good. You're here. If you're here, you're here. <laughs> okay. So I'm just gonna、uh, fill you in, Uncle, on what we're talking about. We're talking about Emperor Johannes and Rasalula, two important, very important、uh, people in our history.、Uh, guys, we're gonna get back to what I was talking about, but Uncle's here, so we wanna. I wanna ask him some questions and bring him up to speed. So first question before we get to anything else, is it? Atze or Hatze? Hatze. Hatze. Tigrinya. Yeah. Tigrinya and、okay. and Giz. Yeah, Tigrinya and Giz. So okay. The word. Um, if you ever heard of the word, like、uh, for somebody to to get engaged, what word would we use? I don't know, Fabu. Hatze. Hatze. Okay. Hatze、so, could either mean、um, a fiance or a, a protectorate. Okay, is the person who protects the country, or the the highest、um, uh, emperor, I guess, right? Okay, so that's the the origin of the word. That's、exactly. where it comes from. Yeah. Okay, so then is it ras or rasi? Rasi, rasi. For the position in Tigrinya, it's rasi. Rasi. Okay.、Um, we're gonna dial it back to what I was talking about earlier.、Um, can you tell us anything about the early life of Johannes,、uh, Uncle? Yeah, so Atay Hannes's、um, initial title or his worst name was、uh, Abba Kesi, or uh, uh, Kasa Bezbez, Kasa Bezbez.、Um, 
Initially, let me let me interrupt you just right quick. What's a horse name? So any uh, any of the um, the fighters or the generals, such as the Dajazmach and Kenyazmach, would have a name, uh, a fighting name. So when they're in the battle, so um, for example, um, Rasi uh, Rasi Alullah had the name uh, Abanaga, meaning or Abaytah. Uh, and then uh, Rasi, uh, when well, he was Dajjat Kasa, when he was a Dajjat, he had the name uh, Abba Kesi, Kesi meaning snake or serpent. So he he was uh, as sharp as a serpent. And that was oh, okay. Mm-hmm. Very powerful ruler. But in uh, in the early stages, I believe he had a very small role. His brother actually had uh, the position of Dajjazmaj, and I think he was given Balambaras, uh, the title of Balambaras. From Atsedros, so he he felt kind of a, uh, he felt a certain way about that, so it it kind of uh, remained with him, uh, so or at least towards his feelings towards Tedros. That's basically exactly what I was saying. So, could it be said that 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 uh, that was part of the reason why he started to rebel at that time? At least an early uh, uh, an, an initial reason for sure. An initial reason for sure. Okay, and when he was. At that point in time, it was Theodros who was the emperor, right? Yes, exactly. Okay, so, and I was saying he reached a certain point where he had essentially gotten control of most of what is modern-day Tigray, parts of modern-day Amhara, and parts of Eritrea, yeah? Exactly, yeah. Okay, and then we see the British expedition led by Robert Napier coming in. Mm-hmm. And do you want to explain to us why that's where we just uh, that's where where you came in? Why this British expedition was coming in to deal with um, uh, Theodros? So initially with Theodros, um, if you see a little a little early in his life, he was quite the uh, I don't want to use the word dictator, but he, he was a, extremely violent, extremely violent, killing people at the stake for simply even thinking a certain way. Um, so he, he was quite aggressive. Um, but nevertheless, he was the the godfather of the uh, of the modern Ethiopian state at that time, as he joined a lot of kingdoms that were not necessarily together due to Zemna Misafind. Uh, that being said, um, I believe there was a situation where he jailed a certain British uh, national. I, I don't know what his position was, and he said something along the lines of "build me a gun" or "make me a gun." Um, and uh, the guy doesn't know how to build a <laughs> make a gun, so he he was arrested and put into jail. Now this was looked at as an act of uh, aggression towards the Brits, uh, I guess because he had some kind of position, maybe an ambassador of sorts. So- <laughs> Can you guys hear my background? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> No, no, no. You know, we got to do that. Yeah, 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 yeah. Or when they bring it to you and you do the... <laughs> okay, continue, Uncle. But yeah, so um, that being said, um, that caused the, the British to want to, to to come to Ethiopia. Now, we have uh, characters like Menelik, um, Wagshum Goezi, who are proactively writing letters to the British um, to, to kind of help and... And create a situation, uh, but in order to get to your uh, to Tedros, you'd have to go through Eritrea and Tigray. So ultimately speaking, uh, Dejat no um, Wagshum Goeze was kind of um, he was kind of scared to meet the British. Um, he would make excuses to not really go and actually see them. But um, I guess uh, nevertheless, I mean, 
they got to Johannes. And I guess they seen that this would be the more practical situation. So, uh, yeah, they went through to, through Erisha and Tigray. Okay. Wait, so guys, so guys, mm -hmm. he asked this British guy to make him a gun, a guy who has no idea how to do this. He obviously didn't do it. He got mad and he killed him or he, j he, he jailed him? He, he jailed him. He jailed him. Okay. Then, then the Brits took that as like uh, a sign of hostility or something and then that's when they came? Yeah. Okay. But I think the issue was um, under Tedros, uh, he was asking for carpenters and, you know, skilled men. And they were just simply sending pastors or uh, priests. And um, he, he was actually saying, you know, I have more than enough priests in my country. I don't need this. Uh, I need the skilled workers. And then um, I guess he was speaking to this uh, ambassador of sorts. I, I don't remember the name, but um, uh, I guess at the end of it, he just uh, uh, jailed him under those pretexts. Yeah, I can actually expand on this a little bit. Um, I think it was something also like uh, he specifically, like you said, he wanted guns in a, or a huge cannon. In Ethiopia, for some reason, they call it Sevastopol, which is a city in Russia. I don't know why. I think it's a specific kind of cannon at the time. Um, but he sent a letter with a specific to a specific dignitary to take it to the Queen of England at the time. And he said, you take it personally to the Queen of England. What the guy did was he went and he gave it to the, I think, Viceroy of Egypt, mm -hmm. who was an Englishman. Mm -hmm. And he took the letter and he put it under, filed it under pending. Mm -hmm. Then it was determined that because Ethiopia was in the sphere of like the Indian Ocean, it should have been sent to the uh, Raj of India. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. So it was sent to the Raj of India, and because British people are hilariously petty, he filed it under not even pending. Like, just so it, it took like three years for him to get a response, and we know also, like, as you said at this point in time, he was going a little bit cuckoo for Cocoa Puffs, <laughs> so he gets mad, and I think he actually jailed almost every single European he could find. Mm -hmm. Wow on top of i think it's it's like a mountaintop prison i don't remember which one i think it's magdala or i don't know how you pronounce it yeah Magdala. Um, and then robert napier shows up with his expedition eighteen thousand men um everyone deserts theodorus at that point in time mm -hmm. uh he has a few hundred men they lose the battle obviously and he commits suicide then they loot the the church um and then Wait, who's they? Sorry, who's they? The British. The oh, British okay, looted okay. the church. A lot of that stuff is still around in museums in the UK and such. Um, then we get um, uh, someone people forget, but he was, I think, emperor for like three years. Mm. I think Tekla Georgis, right? Yes. So what was the relationship between Johannes and Tekla Georgis and how did mm. Johannes descend to power? It's probably very brief, but... Yeah, very brief. So... um. Tekle Gurgis, uh, who was originally Wagshum Goezi, um, he was actually the in I believe in it's called in-laws, right? Uh, in-law to Johannes. Uh, he was his wife. Uh, Dinkinesh, I believe her name was. And, um, you know, he, he, he first, you know, um, was willing to even go as far as, uh, you know, be uh, giving him titles. So I think uh, as Johannes received the title of Rasemakwanant, uh, if I'm not mistaken, from uh, Wagshum Goezi. And he started immediately using it uh, right away. But uh, he challenged him. 
And um, after, I guess, the three years, um, they, they did go to war. And there was a funny little narrative, too. Uh, <laughs> if, if you know, it's... Um, um, Waksham Goze or Nugusanagasta Taklegurgis sends a bag of uh, of taf. So he sends a bag of taf and he says, uh, I'll, you know, disperses it and says, I'll disperse your army like, or something of the sort. And then as, you know, <laughs> he burns it and sends it back and says, I'll cook you guys. Whoa, <laughs> your army <laughs> in the same manner. And uh, wow. they go through this back and forth to the point where. Uh, he loses uh, Wagshun Goze or Nugusanagasta Taklegurgis loses an eye uh, in this battle uh, in Tigray, and then he gets uh, arrested and banished to I think initially in the Bagarima and then finally in in the Basalama in Tambin. Okay, okay. So and then he becomes emperor and he gives himself the name of Johannes. Yes, yes. So okay. He, uh, and mind you, uh, this is the first emperor emperor since as if as to be crowned in Aksum. Okay, and that's like 1600-ish, right? Yeah. yeah. Okay. So, what was um, his internal policy like in Ethiopia? C- could you tell us about that? So, it's something similar to what we what we had uh, recently, which is basically traditional rulers and leaders will be able to lead their own regions, but they would give tribute and they would recognize Johannes as being the Nugusa Nagas or the emperor or king of kings. So uh, Menelik was given back Shoah, so he was reinstated as the king of Shoah, as that was his uh, his lineage. Um, I believe I believe uh, there was initially uh, Nugus Teklahemano, and then he was was he replaced by Adal uh, Ras Adal? Uh, there was somebody, uh, but they were replaced for their rebellion. And uh, you had Ras Adal um, Tasama, who became the emperor of Goja. Uh, Gondar Tigray and uh, Eritrea would be under uh, Atz Johannes, uh, ultimately with Eritrea being under Rasi Alullah. Um, Ras Mikael was the was the leader in uh, well at the time Ras Muhammad Muhammad Ali was the the leader of Wallo, and uh, you know little situations will happen later. <laughs> yeah, but, so yeah, and to expand on what you said, he appointed them as kings, mm-hmm. and then allowed them to rule their own regions independently as long as they um, swore fealty to him which was very unusual at the time, right? Like, that's not normal. Mm-hmm. So he said, hey, you can rule your own region as long as you understand that I'm the supreme power. Mm-hmm. He kept, I think, Amharic as the, the official language of the court, mm-hmm. right? Yeah. And like, then... Sorry, the key thing is he kept it Amharic. He didn't instate it as Amharic. Yeah, he a, kept it, yeah. That's a good point. Um, and he, uh, I think... Some people describe him as the first federalist of Ethiopia. Mm-hmm. So, you know, that's that's pretty interesting. Um, and some people also say this is a, a point that he um, empowering his sub- subordinates may have also led to his own downfall. What do you think about that? Yeah, I mean, it, it can be it can be looked at as being true, right? Uh, we uh, we still have remnants uh, or sentiments of the Zeman and under Tedros and Johannes, meaning um, uh, local warlords or these kings uh, still vied for power. So Menelik was proactively working with uh, other foreign powers. Ras Muhammad Ali, same thing, um, and even Nugus um, uh, the II, I believe, is his name is, if I'm not mistaken. Same thing. Uh, they were proactively working against the emperor to 
to kind of uh, move him out of the way. It's only after going to war and uh, and losing do they somewhat temporarily uh, submit. Uh, I believe there's a, a proverb in uh, in Amharic. I don't remember exactly how it goes. I'll check for it and I'll bring it up later. Nishi. Um if, if anyone also, just by the way, before we move on, if anyone has any, any questions, questions, please put them in the question box and we'll get to them later. Um, okay. So now what we'll do is I have a question for uncle, but we'll wait. We'll switch over to the next guy and then we'll bounce back. Oh, uncle, you've returned. Yeah. yeah Are you yeah. just looking for the quote? Yeah, yeah, yeah. But you, you can continue. You can continue. Okay. I'll, well, let me know when you're ready. Okay. So we're going to switch over to Raasi Alula. So Raasi Alula Engida. And his horse name, as you said, was Aba Nega. Or what is Aboy? Aboy Okay. Um, and he was probably one of the greatest generals of... Uh, of Remember, guys, if you've got questions, you put, put it in the question box. That's the easiest way to get them answered. Um, he's probably one of the greatest generals in Ethiopia and in Africa. So during this whole period where Johannes ruled, he was depended upon by Johannes to fight against the many different forces that were attempting to invade or subjugate Ethiopia at the time. So um, we're talking about Egypt. We're talking about Italy. We're talking about the Mahdists under Sudan. Um, I think there might be a fourth one I'm forgetting, but um, yeah, so that's why he's very important. Do you have the quote for us, Uncle? Yeah, so it's in Amharic. Um, mm -hmm. and my, my Amharic is not the greatest, but it goes something like, Doro Sizu, Tare Afuso, Talat Sizu, Mahala Afuso. So the, the emperors would come and, uh, you know, kind of swear their allegiance to Johannes, but Talat Sizu, so when you, hit, when you hold your enemy, Mahala Afuso. Which basically means uh, the promise or the uh, the swearing or the oath is um, is destroyed or it can be nullified uh, when you catch your enemy. So they'll play these games or snaky games and. Uh, okay, I see. I see. Time is right. Um, here's the question I had for you. Let's bounce back to Johannes. What was Johannes's relationship with the church? So what was? Mm -hmm. Okay, so it's a little iffy. I mean, uh, as Johannes, um, when he was born, uh, the churches in Kuala uh, Tembian refused to baptize, uh, baptize him, I guess, for family ties. So he ended up, uh, he was born in Kuala Tembian, but baptized in uh, Dagua, Tembian, in Dabahadara Monastery. So he, he, he was somewhat of a scholar. I mean, growing up, he, he was trained in the church. Um, so he, he, he knew the New Testament and Old Testament, uh, and Kenya, of course. Um, as well as he, he was quite close with a lot of the clergy in uh, in his area and in Aksum. Uh, so there there was there was some some relation uh, relationship there, uh, not extremely strong, but uh, nevertheless it was there, uh, which was why he was allowed to be ordained uh, or um, conferred uh, as a as an emperor. Wasn't wasn't there some sort of um, disagreement with different kinds of doctrines going on at the time and he held some sort of council. Could you tell yes. us about that? So later on, okay, so there was no Ethiopian Orthodox Soviet Church at this time. There mm -hmm. were, uh, at bare minimum, three separate churches. Different dogmas, different teachings, different understandings. Uh, the church in Tigray, Eritrea, and uh, some parts of Gondar, uh, 
were uh, were under the Kara Tawahiro. So Kara Tawahiro believes in the the Tawahiro nature, the 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 composite nature of Christ, fully God, fully man. Uh, the Tsagga uh, uh, or the adoptionist uh, adoptionist theory, which is held by some Jehovah Witnesses, um, was followed in uh, in Gwandar and in Lasta. The Kawat, which is uh, also known as I believe, no, sorry, Tsagga is known as Sosleda. And then the Kawat or uh, yeah, the Kawat theory was something held in uh, Showa and in Bojang. Till today, actually, till today. And it was Atay Johannes who brought these groups together to debate uh, which theory would be correct, right? So he, there was Christians, Muslims, even pagans. So they debated at Boromeda, which was in Wollo, which was traditionally a Christian area, but through time uh, kind of changed. But a lot of ancient monasteries can be found in, in Wollo and Lasta area. So they had this uh, big debate, and the, the Alexandrian patriarch had a letter uh, written towards uh, for this council for Atsi Johannes. And it was at this uh, council in which uh, Ras uh, Muhammad Ali was uh, as uh, Mikhail. So he became Ras Mikhail at that time. And it was at this point that we get this introduction of the Ethiopian Orthodox Tawahiro Church. Because through this debate, the Kara Tawahiro faith uh, uh, won the debate. Uh, so this is when we get the this this faith called the EOTC or Ethiopian Orthodox Church. Okay, so quick question: Before he held that council, did the church have an official position, or were things just like haphazard, and you could like as a priest or a specific church just like decide what you wanted to adhere to? No, so uh, the church in Aksum was the principal church, the Adwarat Wagaramat. So which would mean the head um, of all churches and monasteries. And the faith that was there was uh, was was un unchanged since the Alexandrian time, since the Aksumite period. Uh, in other areas, because of uh, a lot of the, the missionaries that came from the Catholics, uh, different positions were taught. And so slowly but surely, the, these churches started to change. Um, there was a reason why they would say, like, you know, people in Tigray and Erta never changed their faith. And, and it's, it was because of this. We were very... Um, very solid in, in what we believe. But a lot of these other churches, due to the uh, the missionaries from the, the Portuguese, uh, like the, the likes of Mendes and um, a few other people as well, Munzinger, uh, you started to get a lot of these, uh, you know, these little uh, differences. <laughs> differences is a polite word for it. These churches were, were heretical and were not a part of the communion. Okay, okay. So he was reaffirming what the real position of the church was. Exactly. Okay. Um, okay, so now I think we'll start talking about Rasalullah and we'll get back to the, the main point, which will be the foreign policy and all the stuff that Rasi Alullah and Hatse Yohannes dealt with together. So what can you tell us about the early life of uh, Alullah? So Alullah was born in a place called uh, Manawe uh, in Tambien. Uh, and uh, he, he was born to, a, um, a, uh, I guess, I, I don't want to use the word lower class family, but uh, his parents were farmers. And um, and he, uh, since he was a kid, he was known as being this strong guy, uh, as, even as a kid playing around with uh, with youth. So growing up, uh, uh, they, he developed some kind of relationship with Atsi Yohannes, starting as a uh, as a doorman or a chamberlain. I think it's called the uh, Ilf Kalkai, if I'm not mistaken, in Amharic. 
Uh, so he was, he was a doorman, and slowly he, he rose up the ranks, uh, starting as, you know, a, a basic fighter, you know, getting the, all these other titles, and slowly but surely he made it to the title of uh, Rasi, or Ras. Um, probably the most loyal um, general to Atsiyahandas, the most loyal, who fought tooth and nail simply out of his loyalty to, to Atsiyahandas. Um, so guys, is Ras basically the the translation for general? It, it is a general, but at the same time, it's also <laughs> it's also like a position such as like duke or baron. Uh, I think. Sorry, in in Ethiopia, like military titles and noble titles were kind of like a little confused and fused. If that makes sense. Yeah. Mm. Would you say that, Uncle? Absolutely, absolutely, absolutely. Especially after. Um, the Solomonic dynasty and um, uh, even Zemin and Misafins, it gets it gets extremely uh, mixed up. If that makes sense. Mm-hmm. Um, okay. And in my notes here, it says this is an oral tradition, but I don't know if this is true or not. That Alula was the one himself who captured Tekla Georgis when Johannes crushed him in battle. Is that is that true? Again, you know, it's uh, as you mentioned, but uh, it's what people, a lot of people say. What? Rasi Alula Balu, he's Okay, so now we start to see, let's focus. I think we'll, we'll start with, say, the Egyptians. What can you tell us about? A lot of people don't realize that the Egyptians invaded Ethiopia multiple times and were defeated multiple times. Yeah. So, what can you tell us about that? that conflict, maybe how it started and how Alula and and Johannes defended Ethiopia? So initially, the it was the, the, the Ottoman Turks that controlled the port of Masawa. So if we remember, at least as early as the 1600s, uh, they colonized this, uh, these ports. Um, and they, I think it was called the Islet of uh, Habash or Habashia, you know, which is also how, you know, we get the word Abyssinia, but uh, nevertheless, um, once the Turks left, the Egyptians came and took over uh, the, Ma- the Masawa port, I believe. And it was from there that they tried to enter into, you know, present-day Eritrea. So places like Bogos, which is now called Karen, you know, Saganeiti, Akulokuzai, Hamasi, and so on and so forth. And this is where Rasi Alula developed a name for himself uh, by defeating the Egyptians on several occasions. Um, but I mean, uh, you can probably give it a more detailed analysis. No, that, that, that's great. Like, um, Egypt was also in a really like odd position at the time. It was technically part of the Ottoman Turks, but also like low key colonized by the UK. Exactly, yeah, yeah. But also low key kind of independent. It's very odd. It's it's really odd. Very. And they were looking to expand their influence in both Sudan and Ethiopia, the Horn of Africa. Mm-hmm. So we see them start pushing in, and I don't remember which was the first. I'm trying to look at my notes here and see which was the first battle they fought. But um, regardless, there was one point where they invaded uh, from, I think, Somalia or the port of Zela. They invaded mm-hmm. Harar. Yeah. So they yeah. were marching towards Harar. Mm-hmm. And uh, I don't remember, I think, I don't remember who led that battle, whether it was Johannes or Alula. Um, I think maybe Alula. But um, the army was the Egyptian army with American and British officers and, and 
weaponry, really large army, and they were soundly defeated. And just one, and, I just wanted to add to that, uh, which is go good. ahead. Um, those specific Americans that came were Republicans. <laughs> <laughs> no, 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 no joke. <laughs> they were Republicans. <laughs> I think so uh, we, yeah, mm-hmm. uh, the specific names, but they were. <laughs> so you know, we de- we defeated our people. Defeated some Republicans back in the day. Okay. Um. Let's see. And then let's see. Ah, okay. I have it here. Ah, the first one was Gundet Gure. I never know how to pronounce this. Or like, okay. Gura, which is close to the border in Akalukuzai, towards Adegra, Amir Zalambasa. Uh, Gura. Okay, in 1875 and 1876. Um, and that allowed him to sort of push them out of Eritrea and gain control over the eastern lowlands of, of Eritrea because the people then had already been sort of paying tribute to both the the emperor and uh maybe even some previous uh lords but also maybe uh, paying tribute to some egyptians and ottomans things were very confused at that area in time uh, who they were paying tribute to who they were um under the control of it it switched over time um Let's see. I'm trying to see where the next one is. It's it's there's there's so many battles. Oh. <laughs> it's Gura, Gundet, uh, Okay, Ailet, Ailet, Sanhit. So these are all um, places where he defeated the Egyptians, and eventually they just gave up and pulled out. Mm-hmm. Um, also, something very important was the. Wait, guys, oh, okay, I have a this... question. Yes, go ahead. Was this like back to back or? They retreated, they came back, they left, they came back. Like, what was it like? Retreated, came back, retreated, came back. Different areas, as they said, the Harar, so in the south, southeastern part of Ethiopia, um, Eritrea. The, the first one was 1875, and the last one, I think, was 1880. So this is like over a period of five years where they kept trying to invade Ethiopia and eventually just gave up after they were soundly defeated multiple times. I think like four or five times. So then what we see is we see a group of people called the Mahdists of Sudan, or as what we call them in our culture, I think we call them Dervish. Don't we call them that? Yes, yes, Dervish. Dervish. Um, Is there anything you want to tell us uh, about the Dervish or Mahdists of Sudan? So yeah, the the Mahdists was like a a, a religio-military group that, um, that, that hated the Egyptians, mind you. But um, they they began to hate us because uh, specifically of one one sp- specific act, which was uh, I believe uh, as helping the British slash Egyptians uh, leave through uh, Kassala, which is at the border of Eritrea and Sudan. Um, so which was which is what caused the um, the Mahdists or the the Dervish to come and sack Gondar, Gondar. So they came to Gondar, burned all the churches, took the women as prostitutes, simply kidnapped them. Very treacherous uh, things were going on, and uh, you know, Johannes was kind of given this ultimatum of whether he had to fight against the Italians um, who were coming through Masawa and took over uh, large parts of Eritrea, or to fight the the Mahdists uh, in Gwanda. And mind you, this is at a time where 
the uh, the rulers of uh, Shoah and Gojam were revolting against Azerbaijanis. Um, they were writing uh, letters to Italy as they were to to the UK. Um, you know, beg, literally begging them to come, begging them to come. And um, you know, so Azerbaijanis first went and uh, attacked uh, uh, Emperor uh, no King. Um, yeah, I believe uh, Takrahimonot of Gojam. And after defeating him, he was about to march to, to Menelik. But then, you know, of course, he heard about what happened in Gunda. And, you know, there's some, uh, <laughs> there's some uh, speculation on uh, who kind of, uh, you know, instructed him to go <laughs> one place to another. But uh, it, it's more so apathetic uh, than, than anything. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So basically, that's exactly. He fought multiple battles uh, against the Mahdists of Sudan. Um, I was on. I was on mute. Sorry, I was saying. Should we get into um, into that, or that's too spicy? What Uncle's talking about speculation. No, I don't think it's. That's. I don't know. Uncle, go ahead. Enlighten us about the speculation. We were saying it's speculation. It <laughs> may or may not be true. So there was a uh, a spy dressed as a falasi or a bahatawi, which is basically a hermit and. Uh, he told them, uh, you know, there's uh, there's these two fires, you know, it, you'd have to choose where to go. You can fight the Italians uh, and, uh, you know, you'll, you'll survive. survive. But you can fight the, the you can fight the Mahdists, but you will surely die and go to heaven. Um, so that was the reason why he kind of chose to go to protect Uganda, according to this uh, narrative. So that was the reason why he went to go protect Uganda. And uh, the same uh, Bahatawi uh, from behind at Johannes uh, shot him with... Uh, some kind of gun. So that, that that's the narrative, the, a popular narrative. But again, it's, it's speculation. It's not so much uh, documented history. Hmm. Yeah. And so he died at Metemma, mm-hmm. as we said, fighting in battle. And this is also just to, I'll do the little, you know, devil's advocate. Emperors or leaders who fight in battle are rare because that tends to happen. They tend to die in battle because like Alexander and so on, it's it's generally rare. Most tend to sit in the back and watch or maybe give a few instructions. Um, so next we're going to move on to the Italians. And I just want to also emphasize, this was roughly happening all at the same time. It wasn't like he fought one group of people, then he was allowed to fight another. He, Alula and Johannes were zipping around Ethiopia, defending it from the Italians, the Egyptians, the 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 Sudanese, the British and the French playing games in the background. So this wasn't it wasn't like a nice orderly. They got to deal with each enemy one by one. They were dealing with them basically all at the same time. Um, so they also defeated the Italians at Sahati, Dogali, Ambaalaje, Nagale, Adwa, and a few other places. People don't realize this before. Uh, uh, the Battle of Adwa. There was many other battles. Is there anything you can tell us or expand upon, uh, Uncle? So what had happened was as, after the death of uh, Atze Johannes, we have three years of internal fighting in Tigray. There's three major houses, right? In uh, and with Atze Johannes, it was kind of like a merging of all three because he had ancestry to all three, which was uh, specifically you know Tembien, Enderta, uh, and Agam. So Agama, the sister of um, of uh, Dejaswagadis was uh, his great grandmother. Um, his father was of the line of Shumtambian, and also specifically to um, 
to uh, Suhul Mikael. And why that was important was because the wife of Suhul Mikael, um, I think her name was Aster Walwa, uh, was the daughter, I believe, of Emperor Iyasu, if I'm not mistaken. Or Nagus Bakafa, one of the two. Was it, I think it's Iyasu. Iyasu. And then also on his mother's side, again, we have uh, the likes of Dajjat Dabbab Dinsu. And uh, you know, Kifle Yusus. And it goes to Rasimi, what is the last It was important uh, prior to uh, Suwagaris, I believe. Now, with Azihanis dying, we see uh, these guys all fighting each other. So we have, uh, I think, Shum Agan Sabhat. You know, we have Garusilase Baragavir in Arwa. We have uh, a few other names. And they all denied uh, Ras Mangasha as being the child of uh, Johannes. Because it was known to, to everybody that he was the son of his brother. Um, that being said, Rasi Alullah, Rasi Johannes, and Rasi Walanchel of uh, Hamasian uh, were both called to, um, to Shoah. And again, this is actually where the, the, the proverb that I mentioned earlier in Amharic comes to play. Because Ras Makunen uh, swore on a tabu, in front of a tabu, that they would not uh, be attacked or killed or anything. They were just simply called to, to Shoah. And once there, they were given an ultimatum. Otherwise, they would be instantly killed. Now, this ultimatum was that the uh, the administrator of Reisa Advarat Wagaramat Aksum Church, where the Naura'it, would be appointed directly from Shoah, which is one stipulation. The third stipula- the second stipulation, sir, is all taxes that would go through Tigray. Mind you, everyone pays their taxes in Adwa. 100% will be sent directly to Shoah. The third one uh, was that Salamti, uh, and the area of Simeon would be given directly to uh, his wife, Tsahaitu uh, Batu. Uh, mind you, the, what's interesting about Tsahaitu or Taitu is that um, she's from this area. Uh, she has ancestry, of course, relating to Dejat Wuwi Hainamara, who's famous during the Zamanama Safin, Chekka and Zanara, and more importantly to the house of Endafta, uh, going further back. Uh, and not only that, I mean, um, there was a, a, a lot of uh, marriages uh, amongst Dekushum uh, Agam, specifically with Wubi Halimari. So it's quite it's quite interesting. But nevertheless, uh, with that being said, uh, this was the ultimatum given to them. So this is the the transferring of power to, to Shoah. Now, that being said, uh, Menelik had no problem with the Italians not only taking Eritra, but Tigray as well. Um, he was he's uh, he's quoted as saying these are my neighbors these are not my people specifically the the treaty of Wuchale also becomes something interesting because it, the argument over the battle of Adwa was that the the treaty of Wuchale was a problem now the issue that we have is that um, he gave away Eritrea in the treaty of Wuchale and that was not the point of contention the point of contention was whether Ethiopia was a was to be a protector uh, under Italy or not. So, uh, you know, this is, this is argued with a lot of people, but uh, I think uh, it would be fair to understand that, you know, places like Saganeti, Adahalai, um, um, a few other places as well, is, is, in, is in the articles of the Treaty of in 89, 1889. Um, so, you know, they started creeping into Tigray, and it was, all, it was because of Tzahaitu, or Tzahaitu, who, who wanted to make sure at least Aksum should be a part of the realm, because uh, the importance of that church, Raisa Adarato Garama. But yeah, we can... You can probably explain. <laughs> no, that's that's perfect. I think we're we're you know we're running out of time. We'll basically end it there and move on to question and answer. Before we do that, is there anything you want to end? Uh, any comments? Anything you want to say about Alula or Johannes and their importance? Yeah. So a lot of those battles that you mentioned earlier, Mbalaje, Hashenga, Mokala. 
um, going all the way up to Adwa was uh, was fought by uh, many of them, but Mangesha and Adwa were key key uh, individuals. And then a, a, a specific um, Basha Al Alam. Uh, Al Alam uh, is important because you know uh, paternally is urchin and uh, maternally is Tigrayan from Intichal. Um But nevertheless, he he was a spy, and <laughs> it was a spy who kind of. Uh, was going back and forth between the Italians and uh, the Ethiopians, and uh, he he gave decisive information that kind of helped in a lot of the battles. Um, and uh, you know, of course, like the Battle of Arwa can be looked at as either um, a sign of African heroism or uh, a sign of African betrayal uh, and working with the colonists. It depends on which eye you look at it with, right? Mm-hmm. <laughs> I'll I'll leave it with that. Um, and I'll just end with a quote by Bayru Tafla, the, the chronicler of Johannes. And he has a quote that where he describes Johannes that I think is great, where he says he's a nobleman by birth, a cleric by education, a zealot by faith, a moralist by tendency, a monk by practice, a nationalist by policy, and a soldier and emperor by profession. <laughs> Very so, much. Yeah. Why? <laughs> <laughs> so now we'll move on to the the question answers. We'll look at the question box. If anyone has any questions, please put them in there. Um, someone asks, "Do you have any history on the Kingdom of Diamat?" Yeah, if you watch our first two episodes, which are um, on here on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and YouTube, you can find us talking about the ancient history of Tigray. So yes, we have that. Um, Someone else asks, if they were working with outside forces to overpower King Johannes, wouldn't that be a violation of their agreement to govern their, it doesn't let me read the whole thing, their provinces, I guess that's what it says? It was to continue to govern their provinces. Okay. If they're working with outside forces to overpower King Johannes, wouldn't that be a violation um yeah <laughs> yeah <laughs> the, the the basic answer is yes um we see this happening well i don't know so what i'll say is some people say that johannes did it first by speaking to the british i think that's a stretch and a half um i don't think i think what happened under johannes was kind of unique as we were talking about he was fighting many different groups of people um, for quite a long time and he asked for help I think isn't that correct uncle from his subordinates and he was didn't receive any mm. um, let's see someone had asked uh, do kings need blessings from monks uncle to become emperor I mean uh, the church would have to actually ordain you being emperor is a position in the church um, so uh, it, it would definitely need it. So uh, the difference, for example, with saying somebody's a nugus or somebody's a merahi or halafi is uh, a nugus is actually ordained using uh, holy oil from the church by um, specific um, administrators of certain uh, prime monasteries. Um, being a merahi or a halafi or a halafi is just simply uh, a leader. Like, uh, to be a Rasi, a king can give you the title, a certain, um, you know, an individual can, um, no problem to it. But for a Nagus, like I mentioned, uh, it would need the church's thing. Okay, someone has 
a nice fun fact here. The trigger on Johannes's rifle was made of gold. I saw it in his throne room. That's really cool. I didn't know that. Yeah, I didn't know that. I actually wonder too. I can't believe I didn't notice. <laughs> um, Febu, is there anything you want clarified? Um, I think we're getting close to wrapping up. No, that was great. Just let everybody know, guys, um, all the episodes are now available on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and YouTube. So if you've missed any of the previous episodes, just check them out. Yeah. Um, any any comments, Uncle, before we wrap up? Uh, no, I would say, you know, um, this was the coming back of the throne to Tigray <laughs> since now. <laughs> um, <Exactly. laughs> sorry, go on. No, no matter how short-lived it was. <laughs> <laughs> okay, yeah, yeah. If they ever make a movie, they could call it The Return of the Throne. Yeah. How about that? <laughs> and one okay. Th- one mm-hmm, th- go ahead. Um, Hannes' rule is something similar to Tigrayan culture. It, it was riddled with wars, riddled with uh, problems, and uh, nevertheless, you know, I mean, uh, we struggle and we come out on top. Exactly. Amen. Exactly. Okay, we'll, uh, we'll end it there. Thank you, everybody, for joining us. On this episode of Tariq Time, we will be back on May 23rd, two weeks from now. Uh, have a good night. Bye, guys. Goodbye. <laughs> okay.